0: Hi, you guys can grab a seat. Merry Christmas. Wonder how many times we say that this season, eh? Thanks band. Y'all can grab a seat too. Nice turn to Southern. Awesome. Cool. Um, I'm just gonna get straight into it. I have named this um, message, all is calm, all is bright. Um, cool. These six words are an insight to how our lives and Oh gosh, sorry, I'm reading off this, and it's a bit tiny. Um, these six words are an insight to how our lives can look when we have Jesus. Jesus causes us to be calm in the storms of life and causes us to live bright lives. In Luke 2, verse 10 to 11, it says, <laughs> it's all the Christmas ones, so I'm sure they're gonna be used. Um, but the angel said to them, do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Saviour has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. When I think of the message of Christmas, I think of the day a baby was born that was like no other. He was born to die so that we might live. C.S. Lewis says, Once in our world, a stable had something in it that was bigger than our whole world which is mind-blowing. So I'm sure most of us have been listening to Christmas carols, probably some a little bit longer than others. Um, And I've noticed a theme in the Christmas songs, and they all seem to talk about love, which is great because Jesus is all about love. But there's a few that are talking about people getting their hearts broken and wanting to give it to someone special. Like um, the song... (laughs) Uh, um, The song, Last Christmas, I Gave You My Heart, but the very next day, you gave it away. This year, (laughs) um, (laughs) this hasn't happened to me, it's okay. Um, I'll save you from tears. To, To save me from tears, I'll give it to someone special. And the song is great to dance, bop along to, but I'm not a massive fan of those words because the great thing about Christmas is we get to celebrate the one person who will never leave us who we can give our heart to and know he will never give it away. Let this Christmas be the year that we give our hearts to Jesus, whether it be for the first time or whether it's for the hundredth time. Matthew 1 verse 23 says, says The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son. They will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. God is with us. God came to us. That's the message of Christmas. We didn't have to do anything because he came to us. We don't have to be a certain person. We don't have to act a certain way. God comes to us and meets us where we are. Because Jesus is hope for all humanity. Is Jesus our hope this Christmas? Jesus will never let us down, never leave our side, always has his arms open and has a great, bright plan for everyone. There's this Advent calendar on the Bible app by Greg Laurie, and this is a passage that talks about the significance of Jesus being born in a manger. And he writes He was not laid in the manger in satin sheets, but in rags. He was not laid in a bed of gold befitting a king, but in a feeding trough for animals. There he was, the greatest gift of all, in simple wrapping. Jesus took his place in a manger so that we might have a home in heaven. Are we letting the stress of having a perfect Christmas, buying the best presents, making sure we spend time with loved ones, cooking up the best feasts, while these are all great things, are we letting it get in the way of Christmas being all calm and all bright? Jesus came in the most simple way. Are we complicating our lives running around trying to get everything done and forgetting the simplicity of Christmas, that a child was born and a son was given. Have we lost Jesus this Christmas? Have we turned Christmas into something it was never made to be? Christmas is a time to be in awe of our Saviour, a time to come and adore Him. Adore, it means to regard with the most utmost esteem, love, respect, and honor, to pay divine honor and to worship. Um, I want to do something different. Oh, you're already there. Cool. Um, that song I just typed up, O Come All Youth Faithful. I'm going to pop the words up on the screen. I was um, watching a Christmas show last night by Hillsong, and they sung the chorus from O Come All Youth Faithful. I'm just going to read it out. If you could pop it up, Josiah the o oh, come let us adore him so it, the words go o oh, come let us adore him o oh, come let us adore him o oh, come let us adore him christ the lord for you alone are worthy for you alone are worthy for you alone are worthy christ the lord we give you all the glory we give you all the glory we give you all the glory christ the lord as I was watching, I couldn't help but um, tear up because there's something about singing to Jesus that can't quite explain. It does something to, um, for my soul. But because this was our Savior that we were singing about, our Jesus, it caused me to get up and lift my hands in awe in reverence in adoration of my King. And I think they wrote that line multiple times so that we would grasp the significance of what we're singing. And that's what I want us to do this morning. I want us to come and adore him, to tell him that he alone is worthy and to give him all the glory. If you're visiting with us this morning, we're so glad you came here. And I encourage you to let Jesus in, to open your heart to him and hear what he wants to say to you. Would you stand with me this morning as we sing? Thank you that we can worship you, we thank you that you were born. God, we just want to adore you today, we want to lift you up and give you all the glory. Amen. Awesome, why don't we give a hand for Dugal Sutherland?
1: Very cool, keep clapping for Laura. Yeah. Oh. All right, you can take a seat. Um, Me and Putty are just going to belt out a tune ourselves. (laughs) We'll do something, though, we're not going to do that. There's a reason I'm not on the worship team. Hey, um, Jono's been saying Merry Christmas, and generally Christmas is filled with joy and fun and festivity. Um, But Jono asked me to preach, and I felt sort of quite grumpy about it, Um, and and, and, and not because Jono asked me at all, and not because I don't like talking Uh, because those are both good things, but because I sort of knew pretty quickly that if I was going to talk about something, I was going to get challenged about something myself, and then I was going to have to go and do something different, because otherwise I couldn't stand up here and say to you guys without being a hypocrite. uh, So, uh, (laughs) thanks, Joe. Um, So, because if, if I'm completely honest... My sort of ideal Christmas. I wouldn't. I probably wouldn't go to church on the day. I would uh, have lots of nice food, as I'm sure lots of people do, and I would share it with some with friends and with some of my family. Not all of my family, but some of my family, um, you know, and we'd have a great old time and the sun would be shining and, um, you know, we'd be laughing and, and doing happy things, um, which would be what I would call um, a, a Coke Christmas, right? That's what you see and, you know, and it's kind of like everybody's, I imagine everybody wearing red jumpers. po has got a great one on somewhere. Yeah, oh, I, I know, he's taking it off. But he's, he's got a great one afterwards. Go, it's an awesome Christmas jumper. But I kind of get that. That's the version that we're sold a lot. Uh, yeah, let's have this great coat Christmas where we can just get around with family. Um, but I'm, and presents are also very important in a coat Christmas. Everybody gets presents. Everybody's consuming things. And I'm not really entirely sure that's all that biblical or all that Christian. So I did a little bit of digging. Um, and surprisingly, I'm going to start just by reading from Luke. <laughs> uh, you may get a lot of Luke because he talks quite a bit about the birth of Jesus. So um, so let's just set the scene. Uh, in those days, a decree went out from Emperor Augustus that all the world should be registered. This was the first registration was taken while Quirinius was governor of Syria. All went to their towns to be registered. Joseph also went from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea to the city of David called Bethlehem because he was descended from the house and family of David. He went to be registered with Mary, to whom he was engaged and who was expecting a child. So I'm quite familiar with that uh, because I've... Uh, seen lots of Christmas cards, so I know what Bethlehem looked like at that time, and I know all the joy, and we've seen, uh, everybody here has probably seen little Christmas shows where you got cute little kids uh, dressed up in pyjamas, and I did that, I think, as a kid, and tea towels around your head, because apparently that's very, uh, what you do in the Middle East, you put a tea towel around your head. Um, uh, But... um, When I did a little bit of research around that, I wasn't entirely sure that that would have been the picture. Um, You see, the reason that they took a census at that time was so the emperor could impose a poll tax. Now, a poll tax, if you don't know what a poll tax is, is basically, you know how income tax, if you earn sort of... The more you earn, the more you pay in tax. Sort of graduated system. We've got a tax expert in our midst. Uh, Andrew Robinson's going to get up and uh, explain to us about tax in a moment uh, to correct any misconceptions here. But a poll tax doesn't take into account your income. So a poll tax is simply every person pays the same amount. Um, So... um, and in the and in, in um, they've had funny taxes all through history. I won't go, but they used to have a window tax in the uh, in the UK. You get taxed uh, on the number of uh, rooms in your houses that had windows. So if you look back in censuses from like the eighteen sixties and seventies, it has how many windows are in the house because you get taxed for that. Uh, so they've all. They, people are always trying to tax and get money. Remember, the purpose of taxing is to get money from you. Now, diff, the problem with a poll tax is that who does it tend to hurt the most? Well, it tends to hurt people who don't have much money. Yeah. If you earn twenty-five thousand dollars a year, that's not very much. And if a poll tax is a thousand bucks, that's quite a big hit out of your income. If you earn two hundred and fifty thousand dollars and you only have to pay a thousand dollars, it's not the drop in the bucket. So, consequently, people get angry about poll taxes. Um, In the late 80s, early 90s, there was a poll tax. They tried to impose a a poll tax. That's not a a riddle. Um, In the UK, under Margaret Thatcher, and there were massive riots all over London uh, because people said, we're not going to pay a poll tax. And if you look back in history, there's often riots around poll taxes. And, in fact... According to Wikipedia, and let's face it, if it's on the internet, it's real. Um, uh, when, this, uh, uh, when Quirinius tried, uh, imposed the census, uh, Judas of Galilee... Judas is sort of a name that's gone out of favour over the last 2,000 years... ...was a Jewish leader who led resistance to the census imposed for Roman tax purposes. He encouraged Jews not to register, and those that did had their houses burnt... ...and their cattle stolen by his followers... So rather than this being this great sort of stroll through the, the deserts of, of, of um Of, look, I was even leaping there for a moment. uh, Through the deserts of Israel to uh, our family ancestral home in Bethlehem. We're coming home, everybody. They would have been really, really, really quite grumpy and tired, and probably, if you can imagine it, quite scared because they're having, they're going, there's this whole thing about Jews going, don't pay a poll tax to the Romans. This is ridiculous. And there's sort of rebellion. And if you do, if you pay your poll tax, we're going to get you. Um, So. And they probably couldn't afford it either, right? What is, Joseph was a carpenter and Mary was an unmarried solo mum. Well, almost to be a solo mum. So we know that once they get to Bethlehem, they can't find a room. Yep. And it's and it's and because the Bethlehem is filled with other tired, grumpy, and scared foreigners. Um, and imagine, so they knock on the door of the inn. And the innkeeper comes in, and we all know the story, and I know there's no room here. Um, But can you imagine for a second being the innkeeper? So you're faced with this unmarried, pregnant, um, immigrant foreigner claiming that she's about to give birth to the Messiah. Well, uh, as many of you know, uh, I'm a psychologist, and if somebody knocked on my door on Christmas Eve... Well, it wouldn't be Christmas Eve because it hadn't quite happened, but, you know... uh, If somebody knocked on my door and said, I'm going to give birth to the Messiah... I might think they're a bit psychotic. Um, so you've got this possibly mentally unwell person, at least from your perception, coming in saying, "We'd like a room," and you're going, "Well, and and but to be fair, and he didn't have any, but he did offer them out the back." Okay, so they settle down in the barn, and Mary has birth, which is, which I've seen a couple of births, been there live, uh, fainted in the first one. Uh, which was predictable, I think, uh, because I'd fainted actually at university watching a video of a live birth and was hauled out on a stretcher uh, and taken to hospital because I sort of did a funny sort of fitting thing when I went down, which is apparently quite normal when they say people faint in different ways and that was just how I did it. Anyway, Mary's just been through this traumatic birth, right, because it's it's not easy, Um, and all of a sudden uh, she gets two bunches of strangers turn up. Firstly, there's a bunch of poorly paid farmhands. So in Luke, it says, Luke 2:15, when the angels had left them, that's the shepherds, and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let's go to Bethlehem and see what this thing has happened, which the Lord has told us all about. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. When they'd seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child and all who heard it were amazed. The shepherds returned glorifying and praising God. So you've got your makeshift maternity unit, which is probably not very hygienic. Mary's pretty exhausted. Uh, There's this this whole culture of uh, of fear and and anger and tiredness. And then uh, in come a bunch of foreign ambassadors bearing gifts. Now, we go, oh, that's cool they brought gifts. But if you think back about the fact that they're in this... uh, economic climate where people are poor and being charged the poll tax, I don't know whether I'd really appreciate somebody coming up with these really precious gifts, because what the heck are you going to do with them when there's people running around saying, if you pay the poll tax, we're going to burn your house down. And now I've got all this gold and frankincense and whatever myrrh is, we'll just leave that over there. Um, And so you've got all these precious things that now you're going to have to take care of somehow. So If you think about that, this background of economic oppression, anger, poverty, possible mental health conditions, unwashed strangers, meddling foreigners, all coming into your life, it's not really much of a Coke Christmas. It wouldn't sell lots of product if you just sort of literally translated that. Um, And why am I telling you this? I, I don't want to be putting you off Christmas. So I might have, I might have succeeded in that, and okay, we will just go home. Um, no, I don't want to do that because I think, I think the problem is with a Coke Christmas is that we get tricked into thinking that we can't participate in it and that we can't enjoy it if we can't be sort of either have a Coke Christmas or be like the Three Kings and bring expensive gifts. Yeah, but. And some people were, are well off, like the foreign ambassadors, and can bring gifts, and that's cool. They can afford to give lavish gifts. The, but the innkeeper couldn't. All he gave was space in his barn, but he still gave something. The farm labourers gave up their time and went and visited a newborn child and its parents who were strangers in the areas, if you, if you think about it. Um, and Mary and Joseph gave up their son, or at least Mary did. It's kind of not... 100% clear that Joseph knew entirely what was going on at the time. But Mary, at least, was quite happy to share with all these people. Can you imagine it? Like, I've been in a maternity unit, and the last thing you want is lots of people popping in. You know, you you're you trying to limit family half the time uh, from coming in just after you've given birth, let alone, oh, you guys, you 20 people come in. I don't know you, but here's my baby. Um, so uh, if you love a Coke Christmas and I'm not I'm not here to be Ebenezer Scrooge and say don't have a coke christmas what I would encourage, or what I challenge you to do is have a coke plus christmas yeah so take that joy that love that you and that enjoyment that you get in christmas and add on to it yeah um and that's the bit that motivated me yeah, as I said before, if I had my choice, I'd just sit at home probably with some of my family, all of my immediate family, children and wife, um, uh, but not all of my extended family, to be fair. Um, uh, but I'm not going to do that. So, so we, what this, we knew that some of our friends here at church uh, weren't going to have many people around them on Christmas. Um, and so we're tied up, my family's coming on Christmas Day, so we are having some friends from church over on Christmas Eve for a Christmas Eve lunch, Um, but that was, I wouldn't have possibly might not have done that unless John had asked me to preach, because it forced me to get out of the Coke Christmas and go, actually, what can I do? Um, Because I think if you really look deeply into the Christmas story, and hopefully this is what I'm trying to illustrate, is that Having a Coke Christmas just focuses you on you and your own. Let's focus on us and our family. And, and you, you stop looking up and you stop looking at God and you stop looking out and you stop giving. But I reckon wh- wherever you are, whatever your position is, you can give. If you, if you think about it, if you, uh, some of you will be like the three kings and can give expensive gifts to their family and friends. Cool. Some of you might be a small business owner like the innkeeper. You don't have heaps to give away, but you can give something away. I don't know what it is. The innkeeper gave a spare room. Um, You could be a lowly, unemployed, or poorly paid uh, farm worker or labourer. They still gave up their time. Yeah? Um, Or you could give something, you know, if you think about Mary and her family, they just gave their family to other people, Mary sort of, so my challenge to you is what can you give this Christmas, I, I'm not asking you to change your plans, you've probably all got your, your, your Christmas day plans locked down, but is there enough room that you can open up and do something else, is it that you've got money and give, give gifts, can you give some of your time to something, can you give something to have not just your normal Coke Christmas, but a Coke plus Christmas, So that's my challenge for you today. That's why I'm in the middle, so that then uh, Ali can sort of be uplifting at the end. How's that? So let's give a hand for Ali as he comes.
2: Awesome. Awesome. You can grab a seat. You want to take that bit as well. There you go. Awesome. I'm going to read from the – actually – I've got the Scripture written on my piece of paper, so I don't need to use my Bible. Um, good morning. My name's Alistair. I'm going to be finishing off the tag preach. I hope you've been enjoying it. Merry Christmas! Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year. I'm going to read the same, one of the same Scriptures that Laura read, um, Luke chapter 2, verse 10 to 11. Uh, but the angel said to them, them being the, the shepherds in the field, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news. Everybody say good news. Of great joy, everybody say great joy, that will be for all the people. Everyone say all the people, all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is Christ the Lord. And I just want to touch on those three things, good news, great joy, all the people, for all the people. See, uh, to me, Christmas is about a number of things, but one of the most important of those being joy, joy. Not happiness, although happiness is, is cool, but joy. And I'm going to do these points backwards. So number one, all the people. And I already think Christmas should be for all the people. For all the people. Not everybody in the world celebrates Christmas. Um, we know that the, uh, the Islamic community don't celebrate Christmas. The Hindi community don't celebrate Christmas. The Jewish community even don't celebrate Christmas. A number of others as well. But, 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 um, we, but we do. Christians do, but I think, um, and, and it's quite cool, not just us, not just our church, but also also the Catholic Church celebrates Christmas. John, I was talking about this morning, this is one of the few times where every single Christ-professing church would celebrate together. They'd all come around this one idea of Christmas, the other time of that really significant time being Easter, which is obviously later uh, or earlier in the year, but, but this is a time for all people, and as Christians... Uh, if you're a Christian here today, we believe it's not just for us, but it's actually for all people, whether they celebrate it or not. This is something that we celebrate for all people, and partly because the angels came and said, hey, this is for all the people, <laughs> not, uh, not just you. And so um, you might not, like very, might, might not like Christmas very much. You might be a little bit of a, a Christmas stooge, um, which is unfortunate because I love Christmas. I really love Christmas. I love presents, and I love lights, and I love Christmas trees, except the pine trees, which give me hay fever and hives. Those aren't my favorite kind of trees, um, but I, I would love the smell, but then about a day in comes the sneezing, which is, that's, that's not quite as nice. But, um, and you know, you know, you might not like the commercialization of Christmas. You might not like um, all of that side of things. You I don't know. Maybe you've had bad experiences at Christmas time where you've been alone, or it's been unhappy family occasions. And if that's the case, I'm I, I really, I'm really sorry for you, and that sucks. But hopefully, by the end of today, you would you would be able to appreciate Christmas just that little bit more. That it could be something that's a little bit more uh, enjoyable for you. That yeah. So hopefully, that's um, by the end of today, that will be the case. Because the second point. That I really like from this passage is the fact that it's um, that that, that we're 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 given this news about uh, that. Sorry, we're given this news of great joy, that we have this great joy, and I I I I love this because, um, like I said before, it's not about happiness, and Christmas can often be very happy without having much joy. So I'm not sure if you've ever had a bad day, or I assume you've had a bad day. If not a bad day, then at least a bad hair day. Most people have had one of those. Or maybe a bad week, where everything does like things don't really go right for a week. Or perhaps even a month, where nothing seems to go right. Maybe you lose your job, you lose your, I don't know, whatever happens. You lose your accommodation, your, your friend doesn't want to be your friend anymore, or whatever it is. Or maybe you've even had a bad year where nothing's going right. Maybe your health has been playing up for an entire year, maybe even a decade. I know, I know this, this does happen to people. My sister was was sick with a chronic illness for 10 years and she's come through that now and she's healed now, praise the Lord. But for 10 years, she was sick and had chronic migraines every day. Have you ever had a bad decade? See, I uh, just, I really love what, what Dougal shared about the, the bit of the background of the um, the nativity kind of time, I guess. But but even even going a little bit wider than that, at this time when, when, when Jesus came into the world, when, when Jesus was born, I haven't heard that Christmas carol before, I like it. Um, no, Israel, Israel, at this time, Israel had been oppressed for hundreds of years. Hundreds of years, they had been taken over by the Babylonians, by the Persians, by the uh, Romans. The Romans was currently in control. They were oppressed. They were taxed heavily. They didn't really have uh, much much control about what they could do. And at the same time, religion, their faith, was as strict as it had ever been. The the religious leaders of the day had come and imposed such laws and such regulations that that it was almost impossible to please God and come to God and actually have a relationship with Him and and be holy like we sing about. So this was the day, this was the time that Jesus was born into. And not long after Jesus' death, which is about 30 years later, things didn't get much better. The temple got destroyed about 50 years later, which was like the center of the Jewish faith. Um, the oppression only got worse, and all the Christians, all the people who started believing in Jesus were oppressed, were persecuted, and many of them were killed. And yet into this time, we're told that it's good news that, and of great joy that Jesus has come. And so there's this joy that this that, that there's, there's, there's something about this joy that goes deeper that is, is bigger than just happiness, that is bigger than, than just circumstance. And, and I just, I don't know, I just love it because here these angels are declaring joy to the world. Joy to the world. I'll just sing it, but you don't want me to sing it. Have you ever experienced a joy like this? This kind of joy that gets you through the decade of pain? the week of pain, the month of pain. Have you ever experienced that? Perhaps if you've ever gotten married, you might have, you might have an inkling of what that joy feels like. Even on the good, on the good days, you can feel it. Or even on the bad days, it's still there. It still keeps you going. Maybe if you've, if you've had kids, I'm sure you've, you've had traces of this, that even when they're screaming their lungs out, you can still have that inner joy, that inner peace. But but what about just just day to day with everybody else? Have you had that? Have you had that joy, that can that can that that that, that is um, that security in your, in your heart? So the, the ability to say in the good times and the bad, when peace like a river attendeth my way, when sorrows like sea billows roll, whatever my lot, you have taught me to say, it is well, it is well with my soul. See, so this is a passage from a hymn written by a man called Horatio Spafford, who had a pretty hard life. Um, first off, he lost his two-year-old son uh, when, he, when he was two years old, obviously, uh, followed by his business in the Chicago fires. He almost went bankrupt. And then he sent his family on to, to, to Europe, his four daughters and his wife, over to Europe to kind of change things up and go visit there. And on the way, the ship sank, and all four daughters Died, And as he was traveling over from America to Europe to go and be with his wife, he wrote, he penned the words, it is well, it is well with my soul. Have you ever had that joy? Have you ever had that joy? Have you experienced that? Because you can, and that brings us to number three, good news. The angels brought us good news. Yes. And I'm just going to invite the the, the, the band to come up um, as we as we prepare to finish. I'm sure we'll sing with some sort of song as well. So you see, you see, you can't just drum up this joy. I don't know if you've ever tried to just just be joyful, to just just be happy, to be have a secure heart and a secure soul. I don't know if you've ever tried to drum it up, and if you have tried to, I can almost guaranteed that it wouldn't have worked. And if it did work, it would have been very short-lasting. I know I've tried to do this. I've tried to just drum it up, to make myself happy, to make myself smile, and it just doesn't last. It doesn't give me that, that security of soul, that security of heart, that peace of heart that says everything is okay. I can smile at the storm. I could smile at the storm. What's that uh with... Christ in my vessel, I can smile at the storm, smile at the storm, smile at the storm, yeah. But it's, but it's true, it's true, and that's the, good, that's the good news. See, the only place this joy comes from is a genuine relationship with the God who created you, the God who loves you more than anything else. And the reason that the angels came declaring the good news of Jesus Christ was because there was once no way for man to be in relationship with God, but God Himself had now made a way. So Easter's awesome. Easter's very cool. We celebrate the fact that Jesus died for our sins and that He bridged the gap that was between us and God. But the powerful thing of, of Christmas is that we remember that God reached into history and made that the case. See, Jesus wasn't just here he didn't just happen to be on earth and God said, "Oh, hey, while you're there, why don't you die for the sins of humanity?" No, God sent him down, and that's Christmas. God sent him down so that we could have relationship with him and have this joy in our hearts. Do you know that joy? Do you experience that joy? You may be here, you may have never heard anything about Jesus or Christmas or anything like that from a Christian perspective before. Do you know that joy? You may may be a Christian, you may come to church every Sunday. Do you still know that joy? Do you know that joy in your heart that can keep you through the thick and the thin See, it's because Jesus came to earth 2,000 years ago that we're able to have the supernatural, even unreasonable, joy. And my prayer for each one of us today is that we would experience that. That in the midst of this festive season, with all the decorations, all the lights, all the chocolate, the, the food bellies, you know, all that stuff, all the present givings, I hope you get the presents you want. I really do, I really do. But in the midst of all of that, that you would experience Flash of joy. See, last year, last Christmas uh, was mine and Emily's first Christmas together. Um, We got married in January, which was pretty cool. Um, And it was a stressful time. We got married January 9th, so it was about two weeks before Christmas. And so Christmas was like stressful, stressful to be planning a wedding and doing all that sort of stuff and have no money and have to buy presents for all of my family that have traveled from around the world to come to my wedding. And I have a big family. I've got six brothers and sisters, sorry, five brothers and sisters. So there's eight of us, plus their partners who are pretty much all here. And now another family who we had to buy for as well. So I've got like 20 people that we're doing presents for, no money. So we're like making stuff presents for Christmas, as well as all of our decorations for the wedding. And so we've got some things given as, as wedding, uh, for weddings and some things given for Christmas presents and then getting confused and having to take them back and saying, apologize. That didn't actually happen, which is good. <laughs> but in, in that time, in that stressful time, in that chaotic time, I was able to rest in the fact that actually I have a joy that surpasses all of these circumstances. See, while, while I've experienced many Christmases that have probably been a happier time, it was at that one that I recognized the joy that was living inside me. And it was by far the greatest Christmas I've had. See, where happiness will bring you a smile, a joy will bring a security and peace of heart. It will be a, bring a strength to your soul. To experience not the happiness of the festivities, but the joy of knowing a supremely loving and generous God is what Christmas is all about. I'm just going to pray and then I'm going to hand back to John as well. He's going to finish off the service. Um, I encourage you to close your eyes and bow your heads with me as we pray. Father, we thank you that we get to remember you. We get to focus our attention on you. Lord, I pray for each and every person here that they would know the joy, the great, significant, sometimes unreasonable joy that you offer, the joy of knowing you, the joy of being in relationship with you. Father, through all of the Christmas, hoo-ha, celebrations, festivities, all of the good, exciting things that we enjoy, I pray that we would be reminded of who you are, the love that you have for us, and the relationship that we can have with you. I pray for every every person here who doesn't yet know you. I pray that they would experience your love and your joy. I pray for every person here who does know you. I pray that their relationship with you would go to a deeper level, that that joy would become more and more real every day that as we celebrate today as a church and over the coming week before Christmas, that joy would be at the center of everything that we're doing. In your name we pray. Amen.
3: Awesome. Awesome. You know, I think it's it's incredible whenever we have moments like this where, where people get to share, you know, they... They go away individually and, and dwell on that idea of what does Christmas mean to me. I don't know what Christmas means to, to you this morning. I don't know if Christmas, like was mentioned, is a, a happy time or a, or a sad time for you. But I do know that, that we all have an opportunity today. And, and, and we never want to um, miss the opportunity to, to present you with a choice. You know, like, like Laura said, the God we serve is a God who, who is the God of the calm. And the bright, who is the God that, that we adore and in adoring Him, we find who we are. That like Dougal said, we, we serve a God who, who's beyond the Coke Christmas, who might not be the God of the convenient or the comfortable, but is the God of the, the important, who is the God of the things that matter, who is the God of, of more than just the, the moment of, of, of sweetness, but, but a life of meaning. And like Ali said, that, that this God is a God who brings us joy, not always happiness, not always something easy, but something worth far more. And so this morning as you're here, maybe just as you, as you close your eyes and bow your heads. You know, maybe you've been coming to church for a long time. Maybe this is your first time. Wherever you are, if this morning you know that, that currently God isn't your God. That currently you, you don't have a relationship with Jesus. That, that currently he seems far away and, and hard to reach. And, and you know that you want to spend this Christmas with God. Not thinking of God as some far off figure. Not, not thinking of Jesus as just some, some decoration in a nativity scene. But as a God who you know, as a, as a saviour who you can trust. I want to give you an opportunity to pray a prayer. And this morning this, this prayer isn't important but your decision is. The prayer isn't magical. The prayer is important but, but, but what we decide matters. And so this morning if you're here and you know that you currently aren't following God, you currently don't have a relationship with God and you want one. If this Christmas you want to know God, I just want to give you an opportunity just as everyone's heads are bowed and eyes are closed. If that's you and you want to make this decision to follow this God, to know this God this Christmas time, I just want you to raise your hand just right now to let me know you're praying this prayer with me. Awesome, I see the hand, thank you. Is anyone else here this morning who, who says, John, I want to pray this prayer, I want to know God this Christmas time in a new way, in a different way. Maybe you've had a relationship with Him before, but you feel that it's, it's just kind of fallen away over, the, over time. Just one more time, if that's you and you want to pray this prayer with me, I just want to encourage you to raise your hand. Awesome. Hey, church, I want you to repeat these words after me. Dear Jesus, thank you for loving me so much that you would come to earth for me, that you would die for me. I'm sorry for doing it my own way. Today, I choose to follow you, a God who can bring me joy, peace, and love. Thank you for Christmas. Thank you for who you are. Today, I choose to follow you. In Jesus' name, amen. Awesome, awesome. Hey, can we, can we put our hands together one more time for our three amazing speakers? I don't know about you, but... You know, I think, I think that my favorite sort of sermon is a sermon that, that I'm still thinking about on Wednesday. And I, I don't know about you, but I know that there's definitely stuff in, in all of those messages that, that I'm going to be dwelling on over the week that's going to change the way that I approach Christmas. And I just, I want to encourage you, you know, let's, let's make sure this Christmas time that, that we have some space set aside for Jesus, that we have some space set aside for, for being introspective, that we have some space set aside for, for dwelling on who He is because Christmas time becomes so much more when we allow God into it. Is that all right? Very cool. Let's have an amazing Christmas. Have a safe Christmas. Who wants to go out singing a carol? Yeah? We're going to have a great, great time.